is the Go Blue Crew. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick. Derek Devine is back this week. Before we talk about anything, Derek, uh, you need to tell us how your overseas trip went. Hey, man, I went to Croatia, and it literally the most beautiful place I have ever seen. And now, why I Croatia? Would recommend it. That, that was my question. Like you know, sometimes when uh, and you, and you know this as a recently married man. Congratulations again, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> as a uh, married man, you play many roles, and and one of those is entertaining. You know, sometimes what start as crazy ideas to places you've never heard of, and that was Whoa. this. You know, you'd never you had never heard of Croatia. Okay, that's an exaggeration. I more <laughs> okay. so trying to say it's not a place I had con- really ever considered, you know, much more than knowing its existence. You know, you when you think of Europe, you know, there's there's your staples, you know, you want to go to people want to go to Paris, you know, people want to go to Italy, you know, a lot of people go to places like Iceland, you know. If Croatia not at the top of a lot of lists, but 10 out of is, 10 recommend. Should is Iceland at the top of people's lists? I was surprised to hear that thrown in there with Paris. Uh, you I don't know, do a lot of uh, ju- judge, global judge travel if you if you must. But I, you know, knowing people that have gone there, I guess I just assumed it was popular. If it's not, I sure hope the listeners tell us, and it'll at least confirm with me that I have no desire to go there. Perhaps it's just the my crowd, the people I surround myself with. I've never the, heard of uh, Iceland as a destination. I'll, I'll let the people, you know, hit the hit the socials if you want to see okay. pictures of Croatia. But the the thing I'm proud of. It, and you know this, and and if I wasn't watching on my phone, I probably would have texted you the whole time because I was just so proud of myself. I watched Michigan Washington starting at two a.m. Croatian time and stayed up through the entire game till six a.m. Croatian time, and it was worth every single second, even the moments that were a little bit slow. So you know, proud of myself, pat on the back. The reason I do it, you say, you ask, well. One, I'm a Michigan fan, but most importantly, I need to be prepared for this podcast. So I watched Michigan football. You got to tell the people too your sleep schedule that allowed you to stay up for that. Oh yeah, you know I had planned this for for weeks, and uh, you know go to bed 10 p.m. Croatian time, wake up 2 a.m. Croatian time, go back to bed 6 a.m. Croatian time. You know hit the snooze a little bit in the morning, wake up around 8:45. You know what? I got on the road, drove about five hours that day to our next location, and had one hell of a night. Did your wife call you crazy? No, you know, she she knows me. So, yeah, I think I am crazy. She doesn't have to call me crazy. She just knows that I am. And she knows, you know, kind of how things roll with the Michigan football stuff. And, yeah, you know, I, I stayed up, and she was proud that I did it. And, you know, asked how it went as soon as I woke up in the morning. And, yeah, you know, not too crazy. Oh, that's awesome. We're going to talk about Northern Illinois, but first, uh, Blake Corum. Now, here's the thing. People need to be talking about Blake Corum as a Heisman candidate. And I'm not necessarily talking about like the quote-unquote experts. I'm talking like us Michigan fans. I have not seen any of this. He leads the country in all-purpose yards. That right there, like anybody who leads the country in all-purpose yards is in the conversation automatically. Blake Corum is doing that, 221 and a half a game. The next closest, Derek, 202 and a half. So it's not even mm. really that close between him and number two, number three, and so on. He's eighth in the country in rushing yards per game. 
at 141. And oh, by the way, Hassan Haskins, number 24 on that list. Michigan, as you know, through two games is very evident, uh, very dynamic backfield. But why aren't we talking more about Blake Corum as a Heisman candidate? What's going on? You know, the big thing is, you know, to be a Heisman candidate, you're Football team has won a lot of games. People are still not expecting Michigan to win a ton of games this year, but the way they played against Washington, um, you know, the way they took business the week before that uh, against Western Michigan, you know, it, it's gotten people talking. And maybe, you know, not as, you know, Michigan being a complete team or, or Michigan, you know, being, you know, good enough to, to give themselves a chance, even with the Big Ten title. But, you know, if you look at the stats and you look at what Blake Corum has done, you know, even in watching him on the field, this dude is different. You know, he's playing at a different level than than running backs we've seen in the past. And that's not to take away from, you know, many solid running backs, even in the Jim Harbaugh era. You know, there's there's guys that have put up big numbers. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has always wanted to run the ball. And then, you know, you've got a guy in your roster, you know, Thunder and Lightning and Hassan Haskins, who is a very capable back and could start multiple places in the nation himself. But Blake Corum, you know, the way he can do it with the all-purpose yards and the return game, the kick return game, you know, you know he's going to break one at some point. He's already been close. He's already busted for big runs, had big plays in the past games. He's even throwing some pretty good blocks uh, when need be downfield. And, and I just think that, you know, Blake Corum is is truly a, a special player. Um, I remember there's a lot of hype at his recruitment stage. You know, he had joined for uh, the Alabama Bowl season. He was able to, like, practice or something. I remember that. And Josh Gad is saying, like, you know, he's different. Like, he's, he's going to be good. Last year, you know, didn't do a whole lot in a shortened season. But this year, I mean, yeah, one of the best in the nation, if not best in the nation, especially if you consider all-purpose yards. Does it feel a bit to you like this could be a Denard Robinson situation where the guy is so good, he's a lot of fun to watch, even the wider um, college football world pays attention to him, but you get five, six, seven games into the season and all of a sudden Michigan is uh, getting beat up, um, not not as good as you perhaps thought uh, two or three games into the season, and it goes to the wayside. Does it feel a little bit like that? Yeah, I mean, he's... Michigan's got to win, you know, more games. I think enough people were watching them against Washington. Now, yes, Washington lost a, a, a game no one should lose in, in week one, and they didn't look all that good, you know, pretty one-dimensional uh, on both sides of the ball, it seemed. But still, you know, win games and have a player show out. and cur- not. I mean, not just it's not just a numbers thing either, and that's what, just like a Denard Robinson, that's what people like. It's flashy. You know, Mike Hart said, you know, he's maybe not the fastest he's ever coached, but definitely, you know, most elusive, you know, most quick twitched. I mean, he's he's a blast to watch. And, you know, when I texted you that we were definitely talking about this uh, this week, you know, I'm just I feel like it's that dynamic playmaking ability that we really haven't seen enough. And if this guy can do it consistently, again, it's only been two games. He's got a lot to prove himself and he knows that. But if this guy can do what he's doing consistently, yeah, I mean, that's legitimately a Heisman finalist contender. So here's uh, a metric other than pure numbers that I think we can use for Blake Corum going forward. If after the game, you're like, Blake Corum is a star running back. He is Michigan's back. And then you look at the box score and you're like, holy crap, it's Son Haskins at 85 yards. Hassan Haskins at 110 yards. 
if he makes you forget that Michigan also has like another really good running back, I think that's a, a good indicator that he is still up there in in a Heisman conversation. Yeah, for me, you know, having and what a luxury too for for guys to be as talented as they are to have a duel. I mean, that that is truly, you know, we we saw and heard a lot of confidence about this group heading into the into the season. You got Donovan Edwards, you know, who's just came out that he's prepped for more carries. You know, I don't know how they can share more than they are because they're they're making it pretty even between Haskins and Corum. But you know, to to play like Blake Corum has been playing, and when he gets his rest, another guy pops off for 150. I mean, obviously it was a very run heavy game and that's all they needed to do to beat Washington. That was obvious, but still to, to be, to have two running backs. I mean, that running back room must've been ecstatic after that game. I know the line was ecstatic after that game. Like that's special. And you know, that really truly can make Michigan dangerous because if two guys can play as well as they did in any other game, even if they don't have as many carries, you know, when Michigan runs the football Michigan has a 100-yard-plus rusher. They are a very good football team. All right, let's get on to the Northern Illinois game. That's a noon kickoff on Big Ten Network. Michigan, a 27-and-a-half-point favorite over under a 54. I was surprised to learn that these two teams have only played once before, uh, at least according to Winsipedia. You know, that's where I always look. Uh, that was in uh, – I didn't put down the year. I believe it's two thousand. Five, if I remember right, uh, Michigan. I was gonna won. say I'm not not surprised by that, just because I can't think of a time that they were on the schedule in my lifetime. So that yeah, it just seems like sense to me. I don't know. I think it's just because it's a MAC team. And you're like, oh yeah, well surely Michigan's played them a couple times, only once. Well, uh, true. I mean, the other thing too with the MAC is you've got three Michigan schools in the MAC, so they're always going to yeah. show the love there first. But yeah, I mean, kind of kind of weird to, to see Northern Illinois, like just because you alluded to, there's. You know, not a lot of matchups. Uh, six turnovers that game for Northern Illinois. Michigan won 17. Oof, 17 though, man. What were they doing in 2004? How are they allowing that many points and then also taking away the ball <laughs> that many times? That's actually and wild. We don't. Do we talk about that enough? I don't. <laughs> I mean, they look. literally scored on every possession that Michigan didn't take the ball away from them. It was look. nine possessions, three scores, and six turnovers. Um, when I looked at the box score, I swear I only saw one interception. I don't know where these other turnovers came from. I don't. Were they all fumbles? Like botched putt returns like i don't i don't know where they came from but i swear i only saw one interception i'm not taking the time to pull out the box score again but six turnovers yeah um you you expect this northern illinois team to perhaps be a little better i won't turn the ball over six times i wouldn't count on that here's the deal and we've been talking about this like as we've been getting ready for the season uh, Northern Illinois quarterback, you might recognize him, Rocky Lombardi, who's got very fond memories of playing in the big house, led that Michigan State upset last season. Although, as I say upset, I wonder if that's even like totally the right word to describe what happened anyway. Uh, you know, it, it, this isn't like a talented Northern Illinois offense. The star of the show actually might be a running back, Harrison Whaley, a six, uh, just over six yards per carry he's got a long of 75 
Michigan's defense, you know, I, I don't think all the answers are there. And you can tell me if you think differently. I, I don't see all the answers. There's still question marks for me. Not to say they haven't played well, but I, I think um, we're, we're still early enough in the season to where, like, if a team like Northern Illinois were to pop off and score, like, 30 or 35 or something, it would be surprising. But I think we would... Uh, at the end of the day, you know, sit back and be like, yeah, you know, this, this Michigan defense just isn't as far along as we were hoping. So I don't think that's going to happen, but still within the realm of possibility. Right. I mean, you look at the Mac schools, you talk about the Mac schools, they, you know, they play good football, you know, it's not every team in the Mac and it's obviously not every year, uh, but teams in the Mac can play good football. And I, and I think when you have a Rocky Lombardi, you know, someone again, who tore up Michigan, on the same field a year ago, you know, in front of no fans, but, you know, still played really well. I mean, this guy's thrown twice as much as Kate has, um, you know, they're going to throw the rock. And when they don't, like you said, they do have, you know, a good running back. Uh, you know, Whaley's a guy who's over 300 yards and has three touchdowns. And those aren't, you know, those aren't bad numbers at all. And so I think because of the way, you know, Michigan's defense is still learning and they still have a lot, uh, you know, long way to go, you know, Mike McDowell talk about, uh, communication, you know, just continuing to communicate more corners. I've talked about, you know, just continuing to communicate more. I think they're going to get better. This is a good test for them, but yeah, I would expect to see, you know, Northern, Northern Illinois with some big plays. Uh, I think a couple of those big plays could be scores, you know, I expect a Michigan win. Uh, you know, Michigan has the potential to blow this team out early. Um, you know, they can make Rocky Lombardi, especially the way that this defense is going to want to play against him after last year. You know, they, this could be a very quiet Northern Illinois game. But like you said, they have two playmakers at two important positions, and they do have the ability to score, you know, scoring over 30 points a game in their, in their first two games this season. Now, this was not in the cards for Washington. I understand that, but I'm still surprised that they didn't try to take more shots downfield. And I'm looking at, at Northern Illinois thinking, like, surely, um, especially given the history of Rocky Lombardi here, like surely they're going to try to take more shots downfield because as I was talking about earlier, I don't see um, all of the answers for Michigan's defense. And I don't think these corners have been tested enough. I mean, if I'm an offensive coordinator looking at tape of Michigan's defense, I got to be wondering like, why aren't teams trying to go over the top of them? And the couple of um, shots downfield we've seen just through two games. I mean, it looks better, but you can definitely convert it, you know, you don't, and you don't need like a uh, gargantuan receiver. Like you don't need a DK Metcalf going downfield. Like your, your okay receivers are probably going to be able to make plays. I feel like Northern Illinois, um, you know, might take a look at that. And I've been saying that and it hasn't really happened. So maybe I'm wrong again. And by the way, Northern Illinois here, I think they're playing better than what we had expected this was like a bottom feeder Mac team. And I know it's only two games and they are uh, one and one, but they beat Georgia tech in week one and had a pretty ridiculous comeback effort against Wyoming that fell just short. Uh, that's when Rocky Lombardi threw his three interceptions, all three of them for the season. So just throwing that out there, Northern Illinois has not uh, looked as bad as I thought they would coming into this one. Right. I mean, when you get a quarterback like Rocky Lombardi, you have a revamped team. And I think just like Rocky Lombardi did last year, and, and by the way, this is 
we'll, we'll get on this train another time because I think I'll have to even more after this weekend. But, you know, I'm team JJ because I think of how Rocky Lombardi plays. Now, Rocky Lombardi is a guy who's going to sling the ball no matter what, even if it's not a good decision. That's kind of what JJ McCarthy did when he, you know, connected on the incredible throw against Western Michigan. And that's what tore up Michigan last year. You know, Rocky Lombardi had some professionally looking throws, you know, pro level throws in that game. And his receivers were playing out of their minds, you know, because they wanted to be Michigan. He also made some pretty poor decisions while he was throwing the ball and his receivers went up and got it. So that's the kind of quarterback he is. That's why they throw it so much. You know, he can really take control of a, a program like a Northern Illinois, you know, really change things just from his impact. So they're going to be tested. And, and I think, you know, speaking of passing game, I hope Michigan shows more through the air against a Northern Illinois defense, you know, not laughable, but, you know, should have challenges stopping Michigan both on the ground and the air. So for me, I'd love to see a first half of Michigan throwing it as much as they're running it, you know, because, yeah, you can probably beat Illinois and run the ball every single play, but you got to get some quarterback play in there at some point, and we really need to see, you know, somebody make some big throws uh, sometime soon. I agree. I would hate to see Cade McNamara go into a big game having not really had to do much uh, before then. The thing about Northern Illinois, though, is this is not a good run defense. Giving up 4.8 yards per carry, that's one of the worst rates in FBS. Um, I'm sure Jim Harbaugh and Josh Gaddis are looking at this knowing that, hey, consider what we just did to Western Michigan and Washington. Uh, We may have to throw the ball like a total of four times. If we get into right. like a third and eight by chance, that's when we'll throw the ball. Not saying that I wouldn't like to see Cade McNamara um, let a let a little more loose than you know he has been um, in the first two games, but I mean, we know who Jim Harbaugh is. Like, if he can win the game running the ball, you know, fifty-five times or whatever, like that's what's going to happen. And I this might be just another one of those games. I can see Michigan fans, even myself included, just getting a little like impatient, a little upset, thinking like, yeah, we're winning, but like, why like this? This isn't really preparing your team for those tougher matchups in the Big Ten, but I would just prepare yourself for, for another very run-heavy offense against Northern Illinois defense that I think is going to have a heck of a time trying to stop that. You know, lack of quarterback play has been apparent at Michigan, you know, and the nation notices that. And I think one of the reasons is because of the play style and, and kind of how a Jim Harbaugh offense is going to look. And I feel like some of the worst situations or the hardest situations to watch is when quarterbacks that weren't playing all that well were forced to throw multiple times in a row. And the coach would never do this in a game against Northern Illinois. But, you know, from a fan perspective, when you look at it, I would love to see Cade McMahon come out and Michigan throws the ball until he can lead a touchdown drive doing so, you know, and then rely on the ground game, score 40 more points and Haskins and Corum can have three touchdowns apiece, whatever, you know, run the ball the rest of the time. But I would love to see him come out, take control through the air and, and leave fans at least with some sort of impression of like, Hey, like he can lead a touchdown drive through the air without relying on, you know, anywhere from four to 64 yard runs. And so Again, if, if running backs are the best on your team, you're going to use them. I just think that at some point, you know, especially if it doesn't happen this weekend or even next weekend against Rutgers, you know, we're going to be a little bit nervous when they ever get into a situation where passing is a must. You know what I'm looking for is like heavy play action and a shot downfield, whether it's Cornelius Johnson or I know Dalen Baldwin's a little beat up right now, but when he gets healthy, you got two 
good go get it wide receivers and Michigan the way they're running the ball play action should be a breeze I mean you should have those linebackers and safeties biting hard especially if you're in the second third quarter and you've already been giving it to them on the ground that's where perhaps Cade McNamara is able to open things up a little bit more Um, again you know maybe that's not what happens against Northern Illinois but at some point I think that's that's maybe the 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 door the the entryway into Cade McNamara finding um, momentum confidence as a passer because I think he has a lot of confidence in like guiding the offense making really good decisions um, you know that that sort of thing like like you obviously want that in a quarterback but it's really hard to gain confidence purely as a passer if if you're not passing the ball a whole lot so I I would look for some heavy play action perhaps in this one um, maybe it's against Rutgers but but something like that where you're able to take the top off the defense, let him hit a big one, let him see it, uh, sort of like a, you know, a shooter making a free throw. Let it, you know, see it go in, get your confidence up. Maybe that's the way this happens. Yeah, I think for me, you know, and and again, we'll talk about this when the time comes because the time will come to talk about this. But I'm almost wondering if that is his main job is controlling an offense, you know, bringing composure to the team, uh, you know, making a throw if he has to. Um, but knowing that for these first few games, probably at least the first four, you know, the run game is going to get the job done every weekend. You know, these are four winnable games. I know you had them losing to Washington at first, um, but, you know, still, there were always games that Michigan could win, and Michigan really, you know, flat out dominated Washington. A Washington team not as good as maybe we had expected heading into the season, but when you when you have a game manager the way Cage has been managing games, you know, that's a really important thing, especially to get a guy like J.J., more and more reps, hopefully some reps against these, um, you know, smaller schools like Northern Illinois. But I, I think what you say with the play action, I think you're going to see that happen this weekend. And I think you're going to see him convert on it. You know, one thing that they were not able to do against Washington because the way Washington plays defense is throw it like that because Washington almost always had a safety 20 yards back. They don't give up big plays because that guy's back there. Now that you know, makes it hard to stack the box when you have a player playing that far back. And so you're going to give up more four to 12 yard runs and Michigan just happens, you know, to do that very well with two good running backs, but they weren't going to give up a big play. You know, they put their safeties in a lot of positions to make a play on a guy like Blake Corum and they failed to do so because Blake Corum is an athlete. And just like Michigan defenses in the past, if they don't have the athletes back there and they play in that, you know, aggressive way, you know, they're going to lose when they play better athletes. And so Northern Illinois is not, they might adopt that from watching Washington tape, but they're not going to be able to, to send a guy back there and stop the deep ball. Shall they execute the play action perfectly? Let's get on to predictions here. Uh, like I said earlier, 27 and a half point favorite. That's a lot of points. Um, we say it all the time here. Neither of us really bet on football, but from the little I do know, this just seems like one you stay away from because yeah, 27 and a half. That's a lot. I got 40, 17, Michigan, if you're interested, I, I guess that would, uh, you know, hit the over if you're so inclined. But uh, I, I think in the end, this is pretty comfortable. Uh, I don't think this is one that you're sweating about at halftime. Um, and and like I said, with regards to the run game, I, I would just expect another very run-heavy offensive approach. And for as well as it worked against Washington, you can figure it's going to work even better against Northern you know, I feel like you took my exact score. I'm going to go 50 
17. Yep. I think that I think that Michigan's going to put up a lot of points. A 5-0. Uh, I want a 5-0. I think I think that, you know, that spread, it, you know, is as hard as it would be to bet on that. That is reasonable because Michigan should the way like Washington is not as good as people thought they would be. You know, they have a lot of injuries and a lot of things to overcome. You know, some bad coaching decisions, a lot going bad there. But they have really, really talented players. And Michigan's talented players, you know, at the end of the day, also just played better than Washington's. So I think that this, again, is a game where Michigan could get this thing out of control right away. And I think at the end of the game, you know, it'll be a, a big win. But like we talked about, Rocky Lombardi is definitely throwing at least a touchdown pass, if not two, in the stadium again because he's going to have all the confidence in the world. He's going to believe his new squad can beat Michigan once again, you know, lose to a team that they shouldn't lose to once again. And, yeah, I mean, he's going to probably come out and play really well. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple of state fans there uh, with a cheaper ticket this weekend trying to cheer on Rocky Lombardi and, and, uh, yeah, his new squad. Well, yeah, where is, is Michigan State? I, I, they have Miami. Is that down in Florida? I sure hope so, and I hope they get their socks rocked off so the fans that can is... shut up on Twitter. I know that I know that you don't really deal with the Michigan State fans as much because, you know, you're not from Michigan. I know you probably see some of them. Maybe, maybe you don't. My goodness, man, they're so loud right now and so obnoxious, and all I need is for Miami, after barely winning last week, to hang 50 on them. Here's the only thing keeping Michigan State fans away, I think, from the big house is that that's also a noon kickoff. It is at Miami, but I mean, if you're right, that okay, dedicated, no, you're not. To, you're not showing up. Yeah, you're not showing no. up. No, anybody who I does, figured that. I, mean, I honestly figured that was a later game because that's a good matchup. You know, Michigan State. That is. Michigan State's not bad, so no, that's a pretty good matchup. Miami can be really good. So I'm surprised that's a noon game. That's actually unfortunate. It is a little unfortunate. So is hey, Cincinnati, I like seeing Indiana. Big Ten teams. Oof, I, I like seeing uh, uh, Big Ten teams lose at noon, though. I mean, I, I don't mind also kind of watching a little bit from Croatia. Couldn't watch much of it, but I got to see the end, the best part. Oregon beating Ohio State. You know, Big right. Ten, Big Noon losing as long as it's I not was Michigan. sitting I don't mind in uh, South Bend. I was sitting in Notre Dame Stadium, and I was able to connect to the Wi-Fi and watch just. The, the last little bit, I saw the interception, uh, but I was also paying attention to a, a very close game between Notre Dame and Toledo that, you know, it was a lot of fun as a basically neutral, just football fan sitting there. But yeah, um, don't mind, don't mind seeing that at all. And let's see, Michigan. Yeah. Michigan State, Miami. That's, that's noon. So if you see any Michigan State fans, at the big house, just kindly let them know that they surely aren't like true Michigan state fans. Right. Otherwise they would be watching that game. There's no way. And yes, yeah, since so, IU is also at noon, lots of good noon games. So if you're at the big house and you see that Miami is winning by 21, I mean, that cheer is pretty loud, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's got to, that's, that's a score that's got to come over the PA system. It can't just flash up there. <laughs> That's yeah, <laughs> bro. That is the petty that I want Michigan to have, just because I feel like every team has been that way against Michigan, and I would love that if they could get you know that fan environment can be so much better if they put the work in. That would be an excellent idea. I would phone that in if I were you, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
Michigan, Northern Illinois, noon. I couldn't find the time. Noon Eastern, BTN. Uh, again, only the second matchup between these teams. Let's hope it goes a little bit like the first. 33-17, Northern Illinois, six turnovers. Where were the turnovers? Nobody knows. I think there was only one interception. Uh, could be a fun one. And we'll catch you next week as we hopefully break down a win. And uh, you know, look forward to Michigan going into the Big Ten schedules. Take care and go Blue. Go Blue.